Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Um, recently, I put out um, a poll on my Patreon account and also on my Instagram asking you um, to choose between three topics to see what you wanted me to cover. The three topics were talking about a gap year and the pros and cons, um, talking about the differences between post-bac programs, master's programs, and PhD programs, and then um, creating a grad school application timeline. I received a good number of votes on each of them, but the one that did receive um, more votes than the others was the one on post-bacs, master's, and PhD programs. And so I figured I'll talk about that today, and I'll definitely cover the other topics later on. So we'll get started with what are these programs? What is a post-bac? What is a master's degree? What is a PhD? A post-bac program, and it's interesting to me to talk about post-bacs because I don't think that they're spoken about enough. Um, at least I never heard about them when I was an undergrad. They are, um, since they're called post-baccalaureate programs, they are programs that you complete after graduating from a BA degree. You can um, enroll in a postback for different reasons. A lot of people enroll in a postbacs because they're interested in switching fields and maybe they want to get more foundation on that field that they're switching to. So maybe you got your BA in one major, but you want to go to grad school in another. Some people do it because they want to get a certificate, a specialization in something before they go on to apply to master's or PhDs. Um, some people uh, do it because they want to take um, coursework that maybe wasn't represented in their undergraduate transcripts. Um, but more often than not, actually, the reason that I recommend, and I don't recommend postbacs for all of my students, just FYI, I recommend it for specific students that have substantial gaps on their record. And so in this case, I recommend it to the students who have uh, who, who are struggling with their GPA. To be completely frank, I recommend it to the students who have GPAs that are below a 3.0. The same goes with students who are, um, maybe they didn't score very well on the GRE, Not they weren't even within the average range. They were far below average. They completely bombed the GRE. If they bombed the GRE and their GPA is not the highest in their field, I'll recommend a postback. And then also, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, one good reason to recommend a postback is for students who are switching fields. Again, they got their BA in something and they want to go to graduate school in something else. Postbacks are really great, actually. There are not that many of them, but they're really great because they are there to prepare you for a PhD. So unlike a master's degree, a lot of times master's degrees are very career oriented. They can be terminal masters. You go out with the masters and you go straight into a job. 
Postbacs are really good for students who know for sure they want to go to a PhD program, but they're not very competitive this time around, so they need something to help strengthen their profile. Then a postbac is great for you. Some postbac programs actually provide GRE prep, so they not only provide you with coursework and research experience and a network with professors, um, sometimes even put you in cohorts where you get to interact with PhD students, but they, they're there walking you through the graduate school application process. So that it's part of the program to help you apply to PhD programs. And some programs, ha uh, well, most of them have high rates of getting their students into PhD programs, but some of them will actually guarantee, we'll say after completing this one to two year postback, um, usually it's two years, um, we guarantee that you'll be admitted to at least one top 10 program in your field. And what's even better about postbacs, which again, they're great programs if you know you want to get a PhD, but you don't think you're going to get into a PhD program right out of undergrad. The great thing is that postbacs provide funding. A good number of them do. Now, just a fair warning, there are more postback programs in STEM fields than there are in the humanities and social sciences. Unfortunately, that's just the nature of how things are in academia. I mean, I am always incredibly frustrated at the fact that there's always more funding, more programs, etc., going towards STEM. A lot of times social sciences and especially the humanities are undervalued, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't look and look for them. I know I had, you know, <coughs> oh, excuse me, give me a minute. All right, thanks for hanging in there. I got another cough attack. This cold season has been relentless and um, I feel like I may be coming on. Something else may be um, <clears throat> coming in. I have a bit of a sore throat, but anyway, what I was talking about is that I, I had um, a student who applied to a number of postback programs in sociology only just a year ago, and she's actually in a really excellent postback program now at Stanford, and it's paying her a living wage that's actually, she's making more than any of the students that I know that are currently in um, <clears throat> PhD programs right now. In fact, I, I had heard about this other postback um, this Kellogg program postback at Northwestern that was paying 50K a year to each student, which is that's over double what you would make as a PhD student. That's wild. Uh, but just again, this is just to let you know that postback programs exist. They're really great for students who are trying to fill a gap and they are funded and sometimes provide GRE prep as well. So Definitely look into them if you feel like you're one of those students who has a few gaps that you want to account for. <clears throat> now, a master's program. So a master's program is also a program that you get after completing your BA. It's for folks who want to advance their knowledge. Maybe <clears throat> they're required to um, pursue a master's degree to move up in their field. Maybe they're not 100% sure they want to pursue a PhD. Or maybe they feel like <clears throat> their track record isn't as competitive for a PhD or they don't feel prepared yet for a PhD, so they want to go the master's route. Now, <clears throat> let me talk a little bit more about why a master's 
versus a postbac or a PhD. <clears throat> so for master's programs, similar to postbac programs, it's one to two years. Uh, master's programs are really great <clears throat> for students who, again, don't think that they have the track record to get into a PhD program right away, or again, they maybe are switching fields. <clears throat> master's programs um, don't always provide funding. So for that, you have to be very careful. And I always say just apply. Go ahead and apply. Don't worry about funding until after you've been admitted. Uh, but master's programs are great because <clears throat> they provide you with a lot of professionalization. You're allowed to work on a thesis. And uh, in general, I highly recommend it for students that maybe feel like maybe their track record isn't, they don't have huge gaps. Maybe your GPA is on the lower end, but it's not below a 3.0. <clears throat> maybe you didn't score so well on the GRE, but um, didn't completely bomb it. Uh, maybe you have some research experience in your field, but not a lot. You haven't been doing it since your freshman or sophomore year of undergrad. <clears throat> if that's the case, or maybe you're just second guessing yourself and you're just not sure that you want to commit to a five, six, seven year PhD program. If that's the case, a master's program is for you. And again, don't worry about the funding until you've been admitted. I've seen all kinds of things happen with master's degrees. I've seen people get into highly competitive master's degrees that are paid for. I've seen some people get no funding, so then they don't go. And I've seen people get partial funding and then apply for TA ships, research assistantships, um, jobs on campus that provide tuition and fees, and they're able to walk out with a master's degree with little to no debt. So I don't want to discourage you. I think master's degrees are excellent. Um, in some ways, I'm envious of people who get to have a master's degree because I didn't. So I felt very unprepared uh, when I got into my PhD program. A master's would have helped <clears throat> me feel like I... It would have just made the transition much more smooth. And so master's degrees are great. And, uh, and again, master's, some of them are professional master's degrees. Some of them are terminal master's degree. There's no expectation for you to go on to a PhD. And in some cases, like for some companies, for some positions, even like university positions, you will not be able to move up unless you have at least a master's degree. I'll let you know that for my position, I'm the assistant director of McNair. You have to have at least a master's degree and a PhD is preferred. So the per person who um, had that position before me had a master's degree and now I have a PhD. And again, <clears throat> they wouldn't have considered me if I didn't have one or the other. So keep that in mind. Master's degree opportunities for um, career advancement too. Now a PhD. So why, why go on to pursue a PhD? <clears throat> well, this is the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. And in actuality, the whole point of this podcast is for me to encourage you to pursue higher education. Why am I so passionate about it? I'm passionate about it because it has completely transformed and changed my life. Yes, getting a PhD was hard. Yes, um, it was um, a struggle to try to write a dissertation, contribute something new to the field, and um, self-identify as a scholar. But also, here are the things that I got out of it. The main, main, main thing 
that is intangible, that is priceless that I got from my PhD is that I have this sense of consciousness building, this conscientization, like of like who I am and my place in the world, my sense of identity. Um, And uh, there's a sense of like self-confidence and achievement that you get after having completed a PhD. So for me, especially in my field, theater and performance studies, I learned a lot about race, gender, sexuality, etc. And so now I feel very comfortable with with my identity and my position, positionality in the world. And that nobody can take that away. Nobody can take away that um, that paradigm shift that I went through in grad school to really like understand how society works, to understand structures and um, and the different forms of inequality and how to fight against that. I think I don't, I wouldn't have had that with just my BA degree. Yes, I would have had some extent of that, but in grad school is just much more, you're grounded much more in understanding everything because you just go in so much more depth with the readings. That's not to say you won't, um, I don't want to say that, oh, if you pursue a PhD in a STEM field, you're not going to get that. I think there is a certain degree of skill set and lived experience that you get, even if you're getting a PhD in STEM, that is still part of that consciousness raising of understanding um, as you're moving up, you know, professionally, understanding yourself and where you are. <clears throat> so that's reason number one. Reason number two is just thinking professionally about the skill set that I gained in graduate school. And I think I, I developed a strong skill set um, through a number of different experiences. <clears throat> One, obviously, doing the research, writing the dissertation, the uh, teaching, all of that provided me with the skill set. I learned about lesson planning. I learned about public speaking. I learned about um, developing new ideas and how to articulate them how to defend an argument. Those are things I learned just in my PhD program alone. But then also I worked multiple part-time jobs as a graduate research mentor, as a scholarship advisor. That's where I learned. I learned about grant writing. I learned about essay writing. I learned about how to get money and funding and paid, uh, the ins and outs of all of that. And those are, those are skill sets that have helped me get to the career that I have now. And hopefully in the next year or two, I'll become a director of a program. That is the goal. Um, But I wouldn't have learned about project management and time management and stress management if it hadn't been for those experiences in grad school. And so I'm really grateful to them. And then I think that the, the last reason why I'm, I encourage higher education. And again, this is not, I don't want to say that a PhD is for everyone because I do think there are some folks who are genuinely not interested and not as curious and maybe doesn't have as many questions. But if you are that person who's always questioning things, who's always wondering, who's always looking things up and you just have this like inquisitive, curious nature to you, 
a PhD makes a lot of sense. If you are interested in pursuing a career in research, if you're interested in a career in academia, if you're interested in a career where you can use your academic skill set to help others, both within and outside the academy, you should probably pursue a PhD. So who gets to apply to PhD programs right out of undergrad? I would say students who have um, been preparing from their junior and senior year. So it, it is incredibly hard to get into a PhD program, even with that training, um, even if you are a McNair Scholar or a Mellon Mays Fellow. Um, it's hard to get in. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but it's, it's even harder if you don't have if you don't have that understanding and you don't apply in a fall quarter or the fall term of your senior year. Uh, but you don't have to be a McNair Scholar or a Mellon Mays Fellow to get into a PhD right away. If you, if you pursue research, freshman, sophomore, even as late as your junior year, and you've been doing that consistently, you've demonstrated a track record of conducting research, developing relationships with um, two to three professors who are going to be your recommenders, and maybe you've presented your research at least on one occasion, and maybe you're thinking with your professor of submitting um, something that you've written to get it published. If you're already kind of starting to get acquainted with the academic culture and what's expected, what's going to look good for PhD programs, you have a really strong um, shot at getting in. It, because it's, um, how are you going to get in if you don't know everything that you have to do to prepare? Like, how are you going to get in if you don't know that you have to study and take the GRE before you apply? So these are things that obviously some people get through prep, PhD preparatory or preparation programs. And other folks get it because they're very, um, they're go-getters. They reach out to their network of folks and um, they learn just from the advice that they're getting from others. I know right away, actually, when I interview students, uh, for the McNair program, who's going to go to grad school with or without my help? And that's wild because some students I know, like, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into, but they know they're definitely passionate about their topic. And I have this strong sense that they're so passionate about their topic that they, they're definitely, like, they're a perfect candidate for graduate school, but maybe wouldn't go right away without our help. And then I know of the other students who just, <clears throat> maybe they're not low-income first-gen, maybe they're just URM, or maybe they are low-income and first-gen, but they have been doing the work since their freshman, sophomore year of like interacting with folks, learning as much as they can, and they know what's next. And they're, they're going to go to grad school with or without my help. It's just <clears throat> the help will help them in the process, will make it a little less um a little less bumpy. <laughs> the road will be less bumpy with our program. So yes, um, a PhD, if you've pre been preparing an undergrad for it, you can definitely apply right out of undergrad. Um, if you're taking a gap year, and let's say you're taking a gap year and you didn't have as much research experience, I would recommend um, going with a master's degree first. And I would say master's, not as opposed to a postback, unless you, again, you're switching fields or you have a substantial gap in your record. If that's the case, go for a postback. Um, <clears throat> and if you're not 100% sure about a PhD, again, a master's is great. 
In some fields, just FYI, a master's degree will not get you very far. And I'll just put it out there for those of you who are humanists like me. A uh, master's in history, a master's in English, unfortunately, is not going to get you very far. And so if you are in those fields, in a humanities field, and you're interested in a master's degree, odds are you're most likely going to want to continue on and finish the PhD while you're at it. Um, if you're doing a, a, a terminal master's in a very professional program where there, it's part of the curriculum to provide you with an internship to get a job right out of graduation, then great. You know there's an outcome right after the master's degree. You're going to get a job. You're going to get paid more. Go ahead and do that. But if there isn't that set curriculum for your master's degree, you should plan on having to apply to PhD programs while you're finishing up your master's degree. So I think that's all I want to share about post-bac programs, about master's degrees, about PhD programs. Um, I definitely wanted to make you aware about post-bacs because, again, I hadn't really heard about them much. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I had the feeling that you may not have heard about them either. A lot of times when I mention it to my students, they're it's the first time they've heard about it. So definitely look into them, look into master's, look into PhD. The more you know before you apply, the better off you'll be. Now, thank you so much for bearing with me. I feel like every week there's something. Um, I've got a cough attack or just last time I had a stiff neck or, or I've got a sick child. That's just, just the reality of like being open and honest and upfront with you. I am all about transparency. Uh, but I appreciate you for listening and for bearing with me, and I will talk to you all next week. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time. <laughs>